Today on the Agency X podcast, we have Blake in peril. He is the head of marketing at Wonderment and host of the Thank You Come Again podcast. He was previously head of partner community at Attentive, where he helped champion the framework for using SMS as a relationship building channel. Blake has a deep e-commerce background, spending the majority of his professional career building and scaling retention marketing programs for D2C brands. He's very passionate about teaching brands and agencies alike how to better use retention marketing channels to create exceptional customer experiences. Blake and I discussed SMS, email, the post-purchase experience, and of course, um, his uh, company's tool, Wonderment. So check out the podcast and let us know what you think. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast, and I'm your host, John Sertakowski, founder and CEO at Avex, an e-commerce agency for high-growth brands. My goal is to provide insight into e-commerce, technology, business, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe to be notified about new episodes and visit our website, avexdesigns.com. Um, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from San Diego, California. Cool. Why? Uh, why San Diego? What, uh, are, you, are you from there? You migrated there? Yeah, I feel like no one's from San Diego. And I, I, so I, I, I came here by way of school uh, about ten years ago. Went to San Diego State, um, and this never left. This was home for me. Love it here. Um, I grew up in uh, Wisconsin, so very cold, very opposite kind of climate. Um, and just wanted to kind of like come do something different, but it's a, it's a vibrant city, man. There's a lot of e-com folks out here, more brand operators than, than agency folks, but yeah. it's a good mix and it's a really fun place to, uh, to spend a weekend too. Cool. Yeah. I, I've, um, last time I was in San Diego, I went, um, I went with my wife, we, we, uh, flew down to LA, spent a week there and then drove down to San Diego and we ended up staying there for like almost a whole summer. We rented out this little house in, um, really tiny house, like a little cottage in uh, Pacific Beach. PB and nice, yeah. Yeah, it was just so awesome. Like, I, that's before I really started Avix, and was, um, I was mostly like a freelancer. I think I maybe had one employee helping me out, like one designer, and um, I would just like wake up, make breakfast, hang out on the porch, beautiful weather, work from outside. And then we like bought these bikes. We didn't even have a car. We just would like ride beach cruisers to the water, spend the day at the beach, hang out, drink beers at night, barbecue. And it was just like the, one of the best summers of my life. It was awesome. This sounds like the the classic San Diego experience. I love it. That's um, so everyone should come. I think spend a summer here at least once in their lifetime and, and have that exact experience. It's such a, a yeah. great. Um, there's just like time is no uh, no thing here. It's sort of like Hawaii in some ways. People just are on their own time here. So like working Pacific time with East Coast folks here at Wonderment, like that's been a, a somewhat of a challenge because we're a little bit more uh, loose, kind of uh, you know take it as we go type people. But yeah, San Diego man, best kept secret I think in California. For sure, for sure. And um, so, how did you end up at uh, Wonderment? Tell me a little bit about you know um, starting there. How long you've been there, and um, you know why, why why did you choose that as a, the the place to be head of marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I I have kind of a I think a different kind of like intro into working in SaaS than than most SaaS folks do. I started as a D2C marketer, um, kind of in like the rise of conversational commerce back in like the mid 2010s. Um, you know, email marketing was sort of getting more traction. SMS was like a brand new thing. Um, and so I was working with Shopify brands at an agency. 
had my own consultancy on the side. Never thought I'd leave, to be honest with you. I loved working and growing, scaling brands, um, and doing this thing that was kind of like getting a lot of attention in the space at the time in email and SMS marketing. Um, but I was using this platform called Tone, this conversational SMS platform, um, and ended up giving them so much product feedback that it turned into a job. Uh, went there, was doing growth marketing in a very undefined role, and then pretty much like a few months in, we got acquired by the biggest SMS company in the space, Attentive. Um, at such a young age to be acquired uh, and be a part of an acquisition is, is, is like just I, I can't you know even begin to describe how kind of insane that experience was. Um, but it was really cool to get to go to Attentive after that and, and really kind of define out a role there as well. Ended up joining the partnerships team um, and this community kind of evangelism role, doing a lot of what I'm doing today, even to, you know, education, speaking, um, really teaching folks about, you know, the powers of channels um, and then also building community there. Um, and really, again, never thought I'd leave Attentive. It was a great experience, loved it there. Um, but Wonderman kind of came knocking uh, in the middle of last year. Um, I had been friends and, uh, with the founders, Jess and Brian, for quite some time. I actually used Wonderman on the brand side too. Um, and we just sort of started talking about, you know, what it would look like to join Wonderman. And this mm -hmm. opportunity kind of came up. I love the product, I love the team. Um, and here I am doing marketing now at Wonderman. Uh, it's a great product, but we have an amazing community too. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why um, Wonderman kind of was the logical decision for me to leave this sort of uh, behemoth and attentive and kind of come to a company. I think that's really on the rise. Amazing, yeah, I was, um you know, I'm familiar with Wonderman, of course, and started to hear more about it over the last like year or in change. Um, and, and I think, you know, in general, post-purchase is something that is often overlooked by brands. And I think there's so much opportunity there. Um, you know, the, can you tell me a little bit about um, kind of like what you guys are doing different? Because you know, for a long time, Narvar was like the post-purchase kind of, you know, go-to. And I've, to be honest, have never been a huge fan. It just doesn't feel flexible. It doesn't feel like it fits into the Shopify ecosystem. And there's been others that have come along. You know, I'm curious about, you know, what you guys are doing differently in the, in the post-purchase space. Um, I know you guys are not just like an order tracking app. Um, tell me a little bit about that opportunity there and what uh, Wonderman is doing different. Yeah, that's a great question to ask, and we get asked it all the time. And um, you know, there's a lot of different things I think that make Wonderment. I say we're the most complete solution in the space, and I, I think about that for a few reasons. But like, sort of like the boilerplate of Wonderment, just to kind of like level set like what we do differently. I think it's the easiest way to set expectations on shipping timeframes. You know, automatically update customers about delays, and then measure shipping expectation versus reality across the business. I think of Wonderment more as like a Swiss Army retention knife, and from from that standpoint, like we are really helping brands to make uh, transactional email and SMS a massive growth lever for their business, making that super easy with all the triggers that we offer. So it's the proactive communication side of the product. Um, some of the other things too that we think about, even to like you, you mentioned, post purchase being the 
one of the most untapped areas, customer experience is is really, really important. And after someone buys, you know, a product, typically like the time between the product being purchased and arriving, there's not a lot happening, but that's really where the customer is the most anxious. They want to know that their, that their stuff is arriving. If there's delays, they want to know about those things. So we make all those things super easy to be able to communicate all of those different shipping stages within your email and SMS channel. Um, so th there's kind of that piece of the product. The reporting is another really massive element of this too, to be able to look at like how is your shipping uh, kind of like doing week over week, month over month, where are the delays? We empower CX teams to be able to find those delays super easily. So before it's like this hodgepodge of apps trying to figure out like, where is this package stuck in transit? Like what's going on? So the reporting element is huge. They're really giving you insight into every piece of your shipping experience. And then the tracking pages, like that's the biggest thing. I think that we, we launched tracking pages last year, but it's been a massive value add is like all these transactional messages are getting so much engagement, but to be able to then link that back to your own tracking page that you own on your site and then be able to power so many experiences on those tracking pages too. And I'm happy to talk more about those, but it really is creating connection to the rest of your tech stack on these order tracking mm. pages. So not only like is a customer able to click on that transactional text or email and know where their stuff's at, but like you can promote, you know, your rebuy, you can promote, you know, fairing, you can have your SMS programs, all these different things on the tracking page that makes it sort of like this, um, just another point of engagement post purchase and, you know, four to five visits per, you know, like order we're seeing, you know, with these transactional messages going back to a tracking page, like per customer. It's a big opportunity. Like that's free post-purchase mm -hmm. retargeting right there. Yeah, and and, and that kind of like, especially the way it's being communicated through like SMS and through email. I mean, and that comes back to like conversational commerce and um, you know, how s leveraging some of those channels and speaking directly to customers is really helping to build loyalty and build um, active followers, I, I mean, um, uh, more engaged customers. And that's something that was always huge for me. Like for me, when I, when I get like a text message with the tracking, that's like just, it's so basic, but like that means so much to me when I get that and I don't have to dig through an email or dig through somewhere to find tracking information. So keeping the customer aware of everything that's going on, you know, I, I think that provides a, a much better experience. Now, um, as far as returns go, how, how do, do you guys like integrate with any kind of platforms to help with returns? Is there any, is that part of the, um, part of the, the stack in a way? It's a question we get asked a lot. Um, you know, returns being a big piece of that. Um, you know, we, we do integrate, you know, with return solutions. So like, we're not in the business of handling said returns, but we make it super mm -hmm. easy to be able to integrate that. So a great example, like loop returns, um, having that ability to promote on your tracking page hey you need to make a return like click here start the returns process you know so that makes it super easy for us to be able to have like not only are you updating about the order but they know they're they're visiting this tracking page as like that kind of hub anyway of that post-purchase experience and making that super visible we do enable that really easily with the platform like loop um, but to answer your question no we don't have a uh, returns component of the product but it's definitely something we, we, we get asked a lot yeah, I, I mean, I think that's super important as well. Like having a good post-purchase experience, you know, that's taking that holistic approach to not only updating customers on tracking and where the order is, but how to return it. But that's great. That's one thing I love about this whole ecosystem, especially like, you know, Shopify, Shopify Plus, is that a lot of these apps play so well together. 
And that's what makes the whole system work when you're able to integrate, you know, your post-purchase with your with gorgeous and with Clavio or attentive and then have it integrate with loop returns and and have all of these things work seamlessly it's almost like it's a better experience than even some enterprise brands who are using these extremely expensive clunky tools and they can't even provide the same experience that like a smaller brand on Shopify can 100% um, i think so that Sorry, just to go back to your earlier point too, sure. but you said about Narvar, you know, and kind of like a lot of folk, we we get customers every single week that are switching from Narvar after ship, um, you know, other folks in the space. And the biggest reason why they choose Wonderment too is that connectivity you're mentioning, like the Shopify ecosystem, like we're solely focused on Shopify. And so like for us, like we really want to make sure your entire tech stack connects to Wonderment. And so that's like a big piece of like, um, the apps that you use today, like we're not trying to get in the business of, of saying like, hey, um, you need to use XYZ because it's all we integrate with. Like we really want to make the most complete kind of offering. And that's, if you're, I mean, you have to think about when I was a retention marketer and, and not having stuff that connected was like the biggest that end experience. If like my loop didn't connect to, you know, whatever app or, um, you know, SMS didn't connect to this, like it just creates a lot of dead spots in the experience. Um, so that's a big piece of it, 100% yeah, connectivity. Yeah, that's a, one of my favorite things about the whole ecosystem is that um, they're able to connect and kind of speak to each other. Um, so a, a lot of brands that are not focusing on the post-purchase, I see that often where it's just like they're using, um, maybe they're just like using Klaviyo or they're using Shopify transactional emails and things like that. Um, you know, is it what kind of like either ROI or, um, you know, increase in like, how are we helping? Is it, does it, what, I guess my, my, what metric are we, are we looking at when we start to implement a post-purchase experience? Is it better? Is it better retention? Is it increased conversions? Is it increased average order value? Like, where are we kind of looking at some of the, like if someone installs, sets this up, starts optimizing the post-purchase, you know, what metric should they be looking at the most to see if they're seeing an ROI on this? It's a great question to ask. And I think it's all of the above, but I'll, I'll speak to all of them. Um, so I think the first piece of this is definitely on the engagement side of this. Like one of the biggest challenges that we face post-purchase is like, how do we engage customers? And so like transactional messaging, if done right, can drive about 10 times more visits back to your site post-purchase than your marketing messages will. So that means click-through rates on email, like 10, 20% on average, SMS can be 50 to 75%. So like those are great signals to be, you know, just like showing that this is driving engagement number one. But then on the flip side of that too, it's the ROI. So like Wonderment, we typically drive, you know, it, it can really vary, but you know, we say about 10 to 60 X ROI, depending on your tracking page experience, the product that you serve, if you're selling, you know, like $600, you know, cold plunges versus like, you know, $20, like, uh, you know, things of Ouroboros, like it's going to vary greatly, but we can see a lot of revenue being driven from tracking pages. You know, we see on average like four to six figure revenue, depending on the brand size from transactional. So it's definitely like revenue that like, you're not having to spend anything to get these customers to engage. They've already purchased from you. So you're driving higher LTV, 
you're driving more repeat purchases, you know, off of someone who's already purchased, you know, we typically see AOV about 10 to 20% bump just on these tracking pages because we're referring, you know, complimentary products, things they've purchased, maybe like, um, you know, in the case of like, hey, you purchase X, now check out Y. So it's a really great way to soft sell some of these things too. So those are some of the revenue metrics and sort of engagement metrics. But I think the other piece of a post-purchase experience like Wonderman is, Wismo, uh, where's my order tickets? And this is a mm-hmm. thing that like for CX teams is like the biggest pain in their side. So we see, you know, reductions and uh, we had a, I just did a, a case study with a brand called Casely and they had a 76% reduction in Wismo tickets from implementing Wonderment. Like that is tangible proof. I mean, I think it was about almost $2,000 a month in support costs they saved like 10 hours a week of mundane work mm-hmm. saved. So like the CX benefit is is immense. And we also just did a case study with Ridge, uh, Ridge Wallet, if anyone's familiar with that uh, brand. And they, you know, were even reporting in, uh, increases in NPS and CSAT. So like these are also wow. things that really kind of show that like the post-purchase experience, yes, there's a revenue component, but really it's the experience factor. And having that person have that great experience lends itself to coming back and buying again and again. Yeah, and it's the experience on both sides, right? It's your employee experience, like the customer service reps who don't want to answer those where is my order things over and over again. And uh, also the customer experience, of course, which is, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are updated and you're getting ahead of it, right? That's, a, I think, right. the biggest thing is getting ahead of answering their questions before they answer they ask them. And I, I'm, I'm interested, too, because I know that, like, Gorgeous is good with, certain things like that, having automated messages, I'm assuming that like someone could come to the website, open the chat or, you know, text back or like, where is my order? And that, that could be fully automated. Like yeah. I'm, I'm assuming most of the time they're not even, they might not even be ans- answering the, asking the question because, you know, they, they have the information in front of them. But if they do, a lot of that could be fully automated, right? hundred percent. And I think there's two things that come to mind, you know, obviously like I think about like our gorgeous integration and, and giving CX teams all that information, you know, right there in their, you know, gorgeous help desk is super massive, like for the CX team, but also like a lot of customers too. Like I think about myself, like I'm not typically a hand raiser. Like if I have a bad experience, like I, don't, I might not even reach out. I don't think it's worth it. So for me, it's like, I might just never come back if I, if I had a bad experience, if my package has been delayed, it's not, you know, getting to me on time. And for us, we're enabling brands to just automate all that away, to be able to send mm-hmm. those emails out. You know, if it's been 72 hours and there hasn't been an update or they can change that time frame, but that's kind of typically what we do. Um, you know, 72 hours, no update, like let's email the customer and say, hey, like your package has been delayed, but we're looking into it, you know, rest assured it's gonna arrive and we'll update you soon. I mean, like just that touch of automation helps to reduce those Wismo tickets and you don't even need to worry about waiting for customers to come in. Because typically when a customer reaches out to CS, they're expecting a boxing match. They're expecting to have to prove, you know, something. They're expecting maybe even a bad experience. And for us, like we're just giving the brand the offensive kind of capabilities to be able to not be surprised when a customer reaches out, you know, and they have all those things at their fingertips. Yeah, no, that, that that's great. And, and more and more, as cost of acquisition rises and it gets harder with attribution and um, you know paid media isn't what it was it still works you know you still have to do it but it, what it, it isn't what it was two three four five years ago right where you could just dump a bunch of money and not worry about post purchase as much and you're you're just all about acquisition I think more and more now loyalty and retention is extremely important. 
Um, and, and that's something we've been focusing on uh, far more is, you know, how can we help our clients provide a better um, customer experience, you know, especially post-launch. And some of those little things as you're growing a brand, you ignore, right? You might be looking at, well, how can I optimize my Facebook ads? How can I optimize my, you know, influencer marketing strategy for that, you know, the new customers? Um, but I, I think this year is going to be, um, you know, far more focus on retention and loyalty. And I, I don't know if you've been seeing that as well and have been seeing, you know, more and more brands like looking, paying more attention to retention. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think about like my, my podcast, Thank You Come Again. Like I talk literally every week to brand founders, you know, operators. They're thinking about all these things. And it's it's now like, I know retention was like a buzzword in 2021, 2022. Like, you know, when Shopify came out and kind of talked about retention marketing, like as it was this big new thing, um, you know, it's always been this way. But I think now more than any, than, now more than any time, you know, where we're at with uncertain economic headwinds, every customer needing to get more and more, you know, value out of them for brands. Experience is just a logical thing to double down and focus on. And so like, you know, you need to have a great end, end experience. I know it sounds super cliche, but like I, I really look at a opportunity and it's not just transactional. Like I'm not naive to think that like transactional is the only yeah. thing that's going to keep customers coming back. But like it's such a low hanging fruit to be able to optimize and to be able to make sure you have those messages in place. like. You really want to make sure that like every customer when they purchase a product feels really great about that experience and that's some of the things that like we can control and so i i just think that like the more emphasis that you can place on great experience marketing and not just hey buy my shit like to me that yeah. that is sort of like one of the big unlocks that i'm hearing from countless merchants right now yeah same here we're we're, we're seeing that uh, far more and, and even some of the ideas we'll bring up to merchants when it comes to uh ways to improve subscriptions or um, introduce new loyalty programs um or have like vip membership programs and things like that that are really going to focus on loyalty they've been far more open to them like in the past sometimes it was like yeah we, well you know we'll focus on retention you know at some point we're doing clavio we're doing tentive things like that but um now I'm, I'm noticing more and more brands are uh open to newer ideas and trying things different because you know that the easy win with acquisition is not there as much you know and right. and there's some brands that are i was looking at one the other day that was like they've been having some really great success basically just through word of mouth Mm -hmm. um, I forgot which brand it was. Um, was it Jolie Cosmetics or something like that? Or it was a skincare brand that was really running. They weren't running tons of ads. I don't even. They might have not even run any ads. And um, you know, I could have the brand name wrong. I'm, I have to relook at it. But th their main focus was word of mouth. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I you know have to assume that retention and you know post purchase is something that they obsess over because there's no way that you're going to have um, people just singing your praises and, and recommend your brand if you're if you're bungling your your post purchase experience. So 100%. you know, definitely seeing more and more brands, um, you know, focusing on that for sure. Yeah, one of my um, one of my favorite brands, just like a case study in great retention marketing, is, is Jones Road Beauty. Um, Eli Weiss, Joanne Coffee, they're they're amazing. Mm -hmm. You know what they do. Um, I was talking to them the other month, and like just the way that they've really reimagined, like yes, we're acquiring customer, like, yes, we're getting the purchase, but like, what are we doing to make sure they're coming back? Like, 
five, yeah. 10, 15 times. Um, and, and their view is like, you know, they, they were talking about like, you know, we could try to get someone to spend 200 bucks on their first order, but like, is that the customer that we really want? Or we, do we want someone who's gonna spend 50 bucks every order and come back 10 times? And how do we do that? So we really, yeah. they've focused on, you know, education and making sure that like, you know, it's not like in a, in like a, you know, just, hey, like here's literally everything about the product, but like they're using every touch point they have to educate the customer on how to use the products, how to feel good about using the products, you know, referring them to their friends and making it so easy for them to do. And they're, they're using a lot of like transactional to kind of power that, but they're also using like their emails and their text, even in their marketing kind of messaging too. So it's like, um, I think there's a lot of really great brands doing a lot of great stuff. And I just think the more, you know, folks focus on like the education piece of it too, um, it can really be a great unlock for that retention that I think everybody wants. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, how do you, SMS from a um, post-purchase, you know, that makes sense to me. How do you feel about SMS um, and some thoughts on like SMS in general when it comes to like the marketing side of it, like when people sign up, you know, it's one thing, I, I, I'm a big believer on the SMS side, you know, if you're, if you're if you're, if the brand is supporting the purchase I just made and it's bringing value to me, like the tracking information or where is my order or, you know, something like that, you know, that's not intrusive. I don't really care. Text me. That's fine. You know, what's your opinion on, Hey, what happens after that? The order came in received great. You know, where does SMS play in on the long-term retention after, you know, way post-purchase? Sure. That's a, another great question to ask. And like, I think, um, you know, I'll be a little biased. I spent most of my, my time in SMS. So I'm definitely on the SMS you know camp as well, that it's a great tool if done right. And I think that's the key if done right. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of the bad is that like, you know, like someone makes a purchase and then SMS is just like seen as a revenue channel only. And it definitely can be a revenue channel. And I think, you know, like we see these like, you know, case studies and screenshots, you know, hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars driven from an SMS campaign or some crazy stats like that. And those are all great. But I think like, the focus should not solely be on marketing with SMS and being okay with spending a few cents on a customer to offer them customer support over SMS, to do the shipping updates mm. over SMS. Uh, if you have a subscriptions or like a loyalty program, like um, I'm a runner and I shop from this brand called Roadrunner, Roadrunner Sports and they remind me in their post-purchase text how much money I have in cash back with them. So that's a great way to say, hey, thanks for your purchase. You've got this much in cash back. You know, hope to see you again soon. Like it's just like little value add things like that. I think that post-purchase SMS can be super valuable. Um, but I also think like where a lot goes wrong, I've gotten a lot of post-purchase texts from brands like 21 days after my purchase. Like, I got like a supplements brand that would take me 60 days to use their stuff. They're like, hey, I haven't yeah. seen you in a while. And I'm just like, yeah, it's been 21 days. Like I, I haven't, you know, I haven't used my stuff. <laughs> um, and so I think like, it, it, if done right, it can be great, but you really need to be like looking at all of your automations, all the timing, all the orchestration, like making sure that a customer like doesn't get a text that wasn't intended to be sent to them. Or like mm -hmm. just these little things that I see, like it, if I got that text 21 days later, I'm probably gonna opt out of that program. But like if I didn't get yeah. that text, if there was that orchestration, you know, I'm gonna stay opted in a lot longer and find value in the program. So I think it's like, I always say, look for value to add to, to SMS, whether it's that customer service, shipping updates, whatever it is. Um, and it makes when you need to send that marketing text, I think it's just that much more effective. Yeah, and you know, that's, 
sometimes a trouble with both email and SMS in general is that a lot of brands, you know, maybe they don't have the time, maybe they are lazy or whatever it is. Um, they'll, it's almost like a set it and forget it thing. Like, okay, mm -hmm. we're going to have an automatic 21 day after any purchase follow up with them. Right. Or, you know, maybe it's maybe their agency set it up. Who knows? Same thing for email, but it's, pretty easy to segment your customers and add tags to them to be able to say, well, if you bought these purchases, th these products, you know, put them into this segment or this flow. And if you bought these other ones, and it could be all really timed um, and the communications could be um, segmented. I know uh, they, there's numerous studies out that say, you know, customers, although they don't they don't, you know, the average customer doesn't know about personalization. The average customer doesn't know what personalization is, right? We talk about it a lot, but when they're actually polled, um, they expect personalization and it's mm -hmm. something that is extremely, it's going to keep them like, you know what you just said, you're going to opt out. But if it would have came, you know, 50 days after when, you know, you have to re-up, you're almost done, right? That could have led to another sale or even potentially upselling you onto a subscription to sure. add, to opt in for every 60 days. So, you know, that that level of personalization, although customers aren't like, you know, they're not fully aware of it like uh, as as much as we are in the industry, but they expect it and they know when they're not getting it and it could be aggravating. You know, and and you know, there's fashion brands do this a lot. Like there's this fashion brand that that um, we don't do their SMS, but I'll get at least one or two texts per day about mm -hmm. an offering, a sale. It's like, I'm not, there's no way I'm buying from your company oh, yeah. every single day. But it's more of a spray and pray thing where it's like, hey, they have so many customers, their list is so big that they probably make more money sending that out every day and even losing some people than, you know, but I still just don't think that is a good approach. And I, I do feel sometimes the larger brands are the ones who are not looking at these things. Right? Yeah. They're not looking at that segmentation. They're not looking at the timing. They're not looking at, you know, it's more of just like, hey, marketing department wants us to send it out, so we got to send it out. <laughs> you know, I, so that's um, something I've been seeing a lot. I think that's a great call out. And I, I think like the, the interesting thing about SMS, I think that's evolved is like, there's this obsession with revenue and like SMS has to drive 20.5% of total online revenue or like whatever stats being thrown out, you know, by, by every SMS vendor and like, it's it's great to think about that in a vacuum that like SMS needs to just be solely focused on revenue, like you're saying, like just like um, having you know <laughs> campaigns every day going out, you know, page just ripping acquisition. Like we can afford to have a three to five percent unsubscribe rate every single day, and we're still fine. But like for a lot of brands, like that's not the case. And I think also like the obsession that we have with revenue is making it like every channel has to drive revenue, and so like you know, maybe like the SMS that you send out, you know, it doesn't get them to come purchase, but then they come back to the site and they purchase. So like the full, the full circle attribution, like that's fine. Like we're not looking at SMS that has to drive the revenue, but like a lot of these marketing teams, a lot of, you know, different, you know, folks like thinking like, I have to get that customer to purchase and I want it to come through my channel. I think it's sort of this like, and this is where I also think like working with a great agency is like super important because a lot of times like if you're letting an SMS vendor run your SMS program or you have someone who's maybe in-house who's super junior, they're going to look at revenue at all costs most likely. And yep. and also like that's where the expertise of the agency I think really comes into play. So um, I've seen it pan out time and time again that brands who use agencies to run their SMS programs typically outperform anyone who's doing it in-house or, or letting a vendor run it.
Yeah, sometimes they just don't have the time internally, or like you said, they're putting someone on it because they think it's just, well, let me write some copy and blast it out. But it has right. to be very strategic and intentional. And something that like our retention department talks about a lot, uh, our director of retention even mentioned, um, you can't just copy and paste your email strategy into SMS, sure. right? You can't just do the same exact thing. It's, it's a different channel. It's a different form of communication. And you know you have to respect it and respect your customers, um, you know, far more than even on the email side. So I think it's, um, you know, it's something that you have, they have all brands should be looking to put a strategy in place. And you know, like you said, sometimes that means having to bring on an agency to be able to help help with that. That outside opinion, um, you know, can uh, go a long way. Totally. And I think it's even like, you know, someone who understands what's going on and all the other channels too. And this is like removing the siloedness of, you know, like email, SMS, paid ads, you know, like even some of the social stuff, like having that full kind of customer journey, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's, it's said all the time, but like mapped out understanding what's going out to the customer so that you don't get that 21 day text when the product's lasting 60 days, you know, like there's just like little things like that. Um, that I think like, it's just like the laziness, like you said, if, if, if you put in the extra effort, that's where I think the big value can come out of SMS in the post-purchase. Awesome. Well, Blake, tell people how they could, uh, find you and, um, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing on that. I know you have a podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I have a podcast uh, called Thank You Come Again. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, all, all that stuff. You can also just type in Tyka, T-Y-C-A. Um, also, if you want to you know, learn more about Wondermint, super simple, wondermint.com. Uh, we have a lot of great resources about the transactional channel. So if you're not ready to, to implement quite yet, at least come learn about what we're doing. Um, so wondermint.com and you can find all that stuff there. Cool, man. Well, I think we covered a lot today and um, I'm a big fan of Wondermint. And I was actually just checking out some of those resources on there too. So uh, definitely a lot of opportunity there for brands. But thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I uh, hope to have you on again. Hopefully I could be on your podcast maybe. Absolutely. I was about to say, well, I'll have to get you on the podcast. Super appreciate it, John. <laughs> for sure. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Agency X podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure to subscribe. If you want to learn more about our services, you can find me on LinkedIn. You could also find me on Twitter at Jay Serta or visit our website, avixdesigns.com.